Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. And live from a dinner with Terry Bradshaw and Greg Hardy, it's the 4th and Inches show with Jana and the Shirtlin. <laughs> Jana, be a fly on the wall there. <laughs> yes. Jana, your beloved Cowboys started off 2-0, and uh, they were yeah. now in the, the cellar in the NFC East. My Giants started off 0-2, and, and now they're in first place. It's been that kind of a season so far, but uh, we still have six undefeated teams going into this week, which is kind of unusual going into week six, but so far yeah. a pretty topsy-turvy season at least in the NFC East. Unfortunately, yes. Uh, I think the best thing for the Cowboys this week is that it's a bye, so they can't lose, because they're really good at that lately. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of them, what's what's going on with them? They're, they're supposedly going to get a new starting running back and a new quarterback when they come out of the bye. Well, today is Brandon Whedon's birthday, and so for his birthday, he got demoted, he got which, I mean, yeah. that's that's really the way to do it. Um, I think it's interesting that he's upset about it, um, mostly because he seems so nonchalant about actually getting the starting job. So apparently it means more to him than he likes to show. But Matt Castle is going to have the bye week to learn the well to continue learning the offense and try to get some kind of rhythm. Um, if you're going to make the change, you do it now. It makes the most sense. And now they're talking about uh, starting Christian Michael over Joseph Randall, which I'm not entirely sold on, uh, but. I mean, we got to do something because what, what the Cowboys are doing on the field right now is not working. The other fun fact is that Matt Castle's wife is due to give birth pretty much any day now. So we're looking at the possibility that Matt Castle could be named the starter but still not actually start the game because he's having a child. So it's never easy in Dallas. <laughs> no, it just seems like that's a never-ending soap opera there. So speaking of uh... – Wild finishes and all. What did you think of the, the Monday night game with uh, Pittsburgh and San, and San Diego? Um, I liked that Pittsburgh, you know, didn't make the safe play and go for the field goal. They just went for it on the goal line, um, and obviously it worked out. If it didn't, we're having a different conversation, I'm sure. Uh, but at the same time, also the 18 seconds that magically disappeared and no one really noticed till later is a little concerning, but uh, I, I thought it was, it was a fun way to end the game, but I don't know. I mean, it's nice to take those risks early in the season when you can justify losing by not having your starting quarterback. I don't know if they would necessarily be doing that down the stretch with a playoff position on the line, though. Well, I think they had to win that game from their perspective after blowing the game against the Ravens, the week before this, so I guess they call it even now, but uh, we'll see how they do this week. Um, Injury-wise, not a ton of injuries, but of course the one everybody's talking about is in Kansas City, with Jamal Charles is out for the season with a torn ACL for the second time in five years. I can't remember if it was the same leg the first time or not, but uh, anyway, I wonder if this might actually be the end of his run in Kansas City. You figure when he comes back next year, you know, there's no guarantees that you know he'll be 100%. He's getting up there in years for running back, and they've got a couple young studs waiting behind him there in Kansas City. What do you think? Is that the last we see of Jamal Charles in Kansas City, or are they going to try to, you know, assuming he comes back healthy, are they going to give him another shot next year? I think if I were them, I'd probably give him another shot unless you know, somehow we get wowed by these guys down the stretch. I mean, this is basically, you know, kind of an audition going down the rest of the season. Um, but, I, I mean, I always like having the veteran the veteran running back, the veteran presence there. Even if he's not your every down back, having him in the locker room I think is a benefit. So, I don't know. I'd, I'd bring him back. Okay. So, any other injuries um, 
strikes me this week or who are some of the people you're looking at on the waiver wire? Those are two separate questions, but you can answer whatever <laughs> order you want. Uh, well, obviously we talked about Jamal Charles. Uh, it looks like right now in Kansas City you've got uh, two names that you're looking at, Niall Davis, who we've obviously all all used before as handcuffs for Jamal Charles because he's a little injury prone. He is right now number, higher on the depth chart, but – uh, Sharkandrick West is an interesting name. I, I think we're going to see a lot out of him even as early as this week. Um, so if you can stash him, if you're looking for a cheap alternative in a cash game this week, he's not a bad name to throw out there, uh, especially with the matchup they have. Julio Jones is going to play uh, with a hamstring injury, but he's going to be, in essence, on a pitch count uh, for, you know, it's an MLB playoff. So, uh, in essence, he's not going to play every snap. It's going to be pick and choose the battle compared to how he's feeling that day. So just tread lightly there. Um, Blake Bortles has been having shoulder problems. He is going to play this week. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, it all really depends on who you ask. <laughs> he has a sprained MCL. Uh, one one minute, one hour he is playing. The next he isn't. Rex Ryan <coughs> is uh, kind of going back and forth on it. So, I would keep an eye on that. <laughs> That's probably going to go right yeah. down to game time. Uh, it's easy for the coach to like say the guy's going to play with a sprained MCL, but uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah. I've never had that particular injury before, but it doesn't sound like fun. And at the very least, I would think it would limit your mobility. Well, and it's also, I mean, for somebody we call T-Mobile, that's going to severely compromise what he's trying to do. And it's also the same thing Ben Roethlisberger is missing a couple of weeks for. Granted, it doesn't look like Taylor's is as severe, but just for comparison's sake, it's, you know, not a case of the sniffles. It is going to definitely impact his play. Um, Most of the Bills' offense is on the injury report this week. LaShawn McCoy was limited to practice today. Uh, a few days ago, he was saying he may miss a couple of weeks with this hamstring injury. Uh, who knows? Carlos Williams didn't practice today. He's still going through the concussion protocol, so that's going to have to wait and see as the week goes on. And tight end Charles Clay, uh, he's got a calf injury. He was limited. Uh, again, keep an eye on that. From the production we saw of him last week, he may be a pass in a lot of your leagues as a start this week. And Sammy Watkins is hoping to play with his calf injury. He at least is headed more on the right path than most of these guys, so hopefully we see him back in the lineup this week. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who was supposed to be out another two, three, four weeks, depending who you ask, started doing seven-on-seven drills at practice today. Unless he dramatically ups his practice tomorrow, uh, he's not going to start this week, but he may very well be under center next week if he keeps up at this pace. Uh, So just keep an eye on that. Arian Foster was limited practice today. He's going to play, though, this week. His workloads increased the last two weeks. I expect it to do the same again this week. Alfred Blue, on the other hand, who is turf toe, did not practice. I think that will factor into, again, Foster's carries increasing. Jonathan Grimes, with his hamstring injury, also was limited. He missed the last two games. He might be back. Uh, so it looks like he has a better chance of playing than Blue right now. Ravens wide receiver Steve Smith has multiple microfractures in his back, but he came back to practice today. He might play this week. He is crazy enough. I think it's more likely than not he will play. Uh, 49ers running backs Carlos Hyde and Reggie Bush both missed practice. Uh, no word on Carlos Hyde's injury yet, but Bush has that calf injury. <clears throat> it's probably hiding his injury. Yeah, it's just it'll be interesting. <laughs> See what happens there. Um, wide receiver out in New Orleans, Marquise Colson, is doubtful with a shoulder injury. It does look like the Steelers are going to get Martavis Bryant back, though, from his knee injury and suspension. He should be good to go this week. Um, Bengals wide receiver Marvin Jones was limited with a foot injury. He's likely going to play. Um, let's see what else we got. Detroit tight end Eric Ebron. He was limited at practice. Keep an eye on him this week. It looks like he's trying to return. It looks like he was going to miss more time, but if he can get back in there, that would be a huge help for that offense, which is a mess. Joyk Bell, uh, it looks like he's going to return this week from missing the last two games. He's been working on an ankle injury. Amir Abdullah did fumble twice last week, so it'll be interesting to see how they they split up the carries if he does, in fact, return. Uh, It looks like uh, Jericho Cotri is going to be back this week for the Panthers, who are really going to need him against the Seahawks. Minnesota wide receiver Mike Wallace didn't practice. He's coming off a bye week and still not practicing. That kind of raises a red flag for me, so I would stay away from him this week. Alshon Jeffrey still, quote-unquote, limited to practice with a hamstring injury. We haven't seen him in weeks. 
his status is still really uncertain. That's going to come down to game time, as it seems to every week. Pretty much every running back in Baltimore did not practice today. Uh, Justin Forsett with an ankle injury, Lorenzo Talaferro with a foot injury. That run game looks like it might have some problems this week. Let's see who actually does play. Victor Cruz still not clear to play with his calf injury. Someday he will come back. It's not going to be this week, though. The Texans are going to get Cecil Shorts back, it looks like. Yeah, hopefully this year. Uh, They could certainly use him with Odell Beckham Jr. having the hamstring injury. He's making progress. He should play. Uh, Cecil Shorts uh, looks like he's going to be back from his shoulder injury this week for the Texans. It looks like Nate Washington and his hamstring injury is a little more questionable, but they've got another option after DeAndre Hopkins now. Redskins running back Matt Jones has a sprained toe. He's going to play. He's been limited at practice, but he's going to play. That is going to hamper his movement a little bit, so keep keep a watchful eye on that. Andrew Luck did practice a little bit today. He's hoping to play and is, quote, heading in the right direction. I think we've been told that the last two weeks, so, again, keep an eye on that. Deshaun Jackson looks like he's going to return either this week or next week from his hamstring injury. It depends on the next two days of practice go. Um, and with the Giants' woes, they did work out Terrell Pryor today at wide receiver, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> but in uh, a couple weeks ago, yeah, I, I mean, they didn't I don't know. Him. Yeah, that's that's kind of worrisome. That how it, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a West Walker homer. But uh, also, we did find out this week that the Giants' tight end Daniel Fells is done for the year and may actually lose his foot from a MRSA infection. He's been suffering issues from a staph infection and undergone several surgeries. So hopefully he pulls through that uh, without any more complications. But I think that is all of our injuries for the week. Now, with Alfred Blue, <laughs> it's probably not a good sign if the color of your toe matches your last name. Yeah, I think that's um, that's probably number one on the trainer's chart of things they check. What color is your toe? Yeah. Is it, oh, it's your color? Uh-oh. <laughs> exactly. At least his name isn't green. But So why don't we hop right into the games this week. We've got four teams on by, your beloved Cowboys, the Raiders, the Rams, and the Buccaneers. First up, we've got the Thursday night game. We've got Atlanta at New Orleans. Atlanta is still undefeated, looking less and less impressive each week. New Orleans, you know, they didn't really show up very well against the Eagles last week after, you know, pummeling the Cowboys the week before. Really not sure what to expect of this game. I think think Atlanta will get through just barely unscathed, but I think it's going to come down to a field goal, so I'll say Atlanta 27, New Orleans 24. Uh, I think that Atlanta's going to take advantage of this New Orleans secondary a little more than you do. I have them 34-21 over New Orleans. I just, quite frankly, they have to bounce back a little bit from last week, but New Orleans is just still kind of a mess. Their secondary is like Swiss cheese. This defense doesn't seem to want to slow anybody down. Um, I think that the, the Atlanta offense is just going to have a big day, uh, pretty much every facet of it. And Drew Brees still doesn't look totally right for me. They're missing Jimmy Graham, some, <laughs> something terrible. That offensive line is not giving them enough time to do anything. I just yeah, I don't like really what I'm seeing from New Orleans. For either team, has it? No, they really should just – there's got to be like a an undo button we can push because, quite frankly, both teams were better the way they were before. Yeah, that would be nice. I don't (laughs) see that happening, unfortunately. So speaking of uh, hitting undo, (laughs) speaking of an undo button, Denver is kind of like Atlanta, still undefeated, but not really impressing people along the way. Cleveland's there at home. Brian Hoyer, uh, not Brian Hoyer, um, Josh McCown seems firmly, (laughs) firmly, Entrenched there now, you know, Johnny Manziel will have to wait at least probably for another season unless, you know, McCown gets injured, you know, more than he is already. I, I just have a feeling this is the week the wheels come off for Denver. Their defense has kept them in games, but offense really hasn't clicked. Cleveland's defense hasn't been very good so far this year, but I think they'll get it together this week. So I'll say Cleveland takes this by a field goal at home. I'll say Cleveland 27, Denver 24. So, already we're at game two, and we are breaking the streak of picking the same games after last week. I'm 
going to disagree with a lot of that. I definitely think Denver's going to come out on top here. Granted, Cleveland looked good last week, but it was a real favorable matchup. Against this Denver defense, I think they're going to really stifle Cleveland. I mean, this is still Josh McCown we're talking about. Um, no offense to him, but it's just not he's not an elite caliber quarterback, and this is an elite caliber defense. Even with a couple of injuries, I think they're still going to have what it takes to slow down Cleveland. I think Denver is going to take advantage of some weaknesses in this defense, and Peyton Manning is going to get it together a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be you know, Peyton Manning of 10 years ago, but I think they have enough to do it. Win by 10, 31-21, I take Denver in this one. Okay. Well, it's good that we've got that first disagreement out of the way. First one's always the toughest. Yeah, thing. I, was, I was worried so. there for a little while. <laughs> Uh, don't you worry. I think we're going to probably disagree on this next game, too. So Detroit so far winless. Like you said before, they really look like a mess so far, but they're hosting a team which has looked like a mess early in the season, but it's actually won a couple games in a row, that being Chicago. Chicago on the road at Detroit. I think Detroit, this is pretty much it for them. Yeah, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs even if they win this week, but you know, this is kind of one of those games which says, are they going to be a Six and ten team, or are they going to be a two and fourteen team? I'm betting on the latter. I think Detroit gets it together this week against the Chicago team that seems like they're just as injured and messed up as Detroit is. I'll go with Detroit to win this by six. I'll take Detroit with thirty over Chicago with twenty-four. Ooh, I actually agree. I don't agree with the score. I am taking Detroit twenty-three twenty-one in this one. Uh, the Detroit defense is pretty terrible, especially when it comes to wide receivers. They've given up 43 catches over 600 yards and four touchdowns just in the last three games to wide receivers. Uh, Unfortunately, Chicago's probably the last team that can take advantage of this because they have almost no healthy wide receivers. If Alshon Jeffrey can even get himself on the field, he might be able to score a touchdown this week. I just don't know if that's going to happen. I think Stafford's going to look better. He um, Obviously, he has to. It's kind of hard to look much worse than he did last week getting pulled from the game. Um, but this is a defense he can and bounce back a little bit against, even with a run game that's a little more questionable than it was a few weeks ago. I think Matt Forte is really going to be the guy for Chicago this week. He's going to be what keeps them in it. Uh, just Unfortunately, if they had wide receivers, this would probably be a, a better outcome for them, but they just don't right now. They should just use him on every play, either throw it to him or run it. it might as maybe well. Detroit would sense the pattern after a quarter or two and pick up on it. Mm. But uh, it would be fun to see if he could actually do that. Or I wonder if that's ever been done at any level. And if so, whether cool. the guys, teammates hated that him. That would make me more like interested in watching this game because as it is, I sort of don't want to at all. <laughs> all right. Well, we can... We can call the Bears and see if they'd be willing to do that for us. So, um, In case sure that will. doesn't work out, though, we've got another barn burner in the game between two teams. I'm excited two teams for this one. More are not so going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. It's a little more interesting maybe because of the quarterbacks you know, in both situations. But anyway, we're talking about the Houston and Jacksonville game. This is a tough one to call. You know, Blake Bortles looks better, but banged up. Houston hasn't looked too good so far. You know, DeAndre Hopkins has emerged this year. Brian Hoyer seems to be holding down the Florida quarterback now. I still think that just Jacksonville has a little bit better balance on offense right now. I'm not sold on Arian Foster being totally healthy yet. I think Jacksonville wins this by a field goal at home. I'll say Jacksonville 24, Houston 21. I've got Jacksonville 28, Houston 24, so we're kind of close. Um, I, obviously, I I am a bit of a Jacksonville apologist. I think that's safe to say. But uh, Blake Bortles, even with a, a slightly short, sore shoulder, I think is still going to do very well against this Houston defense. I mean, look what Matt Hasselbeck did to them last week. Matt Hasselbeck's a lot older than Blake Bortles is. Um, but even... I think I'm a little more optimistic on Arian Foster than you are. Both these defenses are just not good right now. They're both in the bottom third of the league. Uh, But overall, Jacksonville's offense a little healthier. 
if DeAndre Hopkins could play in the Chicago-Detroit game, that might actually be better for everybody. But unfortunately, this week he's going to play for the Texans still. Having Cecil Shorts come back I think will help a little bit, but quite frankly, DeAndre Hopkins really wasn't hurting to score points without having anybody else opposite him that was really all that relevant. So I'm still going Jacksonville by a little, by kind of four points, not a ton, but this game I think will be more interesting to watch than a couple of the others. Kind of, I don't know. The game last week, Tampa Bay wasn't pretty, but it was still interesting. (laughs) I think I'd rather watch this game than Detroit Chicago just because the Blake Bortles shorts. But and you know Jacksonville with Robinson and Hearns at least has a couple of decent receivers, but I mean Detroit certainly has mm-hmm. a couple of decent receivers too, but they're you know the quarterback seems to be heading in the wrong direction, but we'll see. So next up is a game that even though it features an undefeated team, I'm not sure I would have all that much interest in watching. Of course, <laughs> Buffalo hasn't looked so far good so far on defense, but they've had a pretty rough schedule so far. It doesn't get any easier with Cincinnati's offense coming to town. Buffalo, like you said before, they may get Sammy Watkins back, but you know, between the quarterback being banged up and the running backs being banged up and Cincinnati seemingly finding a way to win every week, I think those both those trends continue this week. So I'll go with Cincinnati by six. I'll say Cincinnati 30, Buffalo 24. I've got Cincinnati 28, Buffalo 17. I think I would have been more excited about this game maybe – week two, week one, before all these injuries started piling up. Because this Buffalo team, to start the season, I was excited about Cincinnati, obviously the Ginger Ninja and I, uh, big fans. But it just it doesn't seem like a fair fight. Buffalo's so decimated by injuries right now. And even the guys who are still on the field aren't even close to 100% in a lot of these positions. The defense is going to keep them in it, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, Cincinnati is just going to kind of have their way with Buffalo this week. I'd be interested to see these two teams play each other when they're both healthy. That would be a much better matchup. All right. Speaking of teams being relatively healthy, actually with Deshaun Jackson, I don't know that you can say that so much. And you mentioned Matt Jones' injury too. But anyway, Washington on the road against the Jets. Jets, you know, defense is, you know, they're calling card. They didn't look too good in their last home game against the Eagles. You know, this week they've got another NFC East team, Washington, coming in. I just think the Jets' defense is going to be – I think both the defenses are pretty good. Washington doesn't get as much credit as the Jets, obviously. But I think Washington's defense will keep this close. The combination of Washington's defense and New York's offense is not being very good, but – I think Ryan Fitzpatrick will do just enough, and I'll say the Jets take this by touchdown. Jets 24, Redskins 17. We're still agreeing on a, a shocking number of games this week. I'm also taking the Jets. I'm taking them 2014 over Washington, mainly because every facet of Washington's offense right now is kind of a giant question mark. Uh, they're a run game, beat up, not totally sold on, on how that's going to play out as the season goes on. Uh, the wide receivers aren't healthy. The tight end situation, again, not a lot of health. The quarterback, that's been an ongoing saga. It's just even coupled with their defense, which isn't great. It's not terrible, but it's not great. I just think the Jets' defense is going to keep them in this game, and they'll be able to do just enough. Being at home maybe helps a little bit, but quite frankly, in New York, not really. Uh, I just think it's going to be just enough, and Washington's going to go home the loser this one. At least Jamison Crowder has been a nice uh, fantasy revelation in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm sure we'll hey, probably mention it. his name when we get to the daily part of the show. Probably. <laughs> All right. So moving right along then, next game featuring two of my favorite teams that don't have that don't have New York in their title, and that would be Kansas City at Minnesota. This matchup obviously would have featured two of the top running backs in the league before Jamal Charles went down last week. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, Chen, you know Ken Chardrick, um I can't say that right, Charkandrick West. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mouthful. Him, we're going to have to get used to that. <laughs> whether it's him or Niles Davis, I, I don't think it matters too much. I think Minnesota, even with um, 
the wide receiver situation not being so great right now, I still think that they're a better team all around. I'll say Minnesota takes this by a score of 30 to 21. Interesting. Uh, I've got Minnesota 24-17. I don't see this being quite as high scoring, although I could see how that would happen. I just, I don't know. I'm not feeling it. Uh, But Minnesota against Kansas City, weirdly enough, uh, Kansas City generally it's it's the pass game, it's wide receivers that are their downfall with that defense, but I think it's more going to be Adrian Peterson that's the difference maker for Minnesota because, quite frankly, I'm not sold on Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not sold on his chemistry with his wide receivers right now, and I think it's going to have to be Adrian Peterson and the Blair Walsh Project that are going to carry the, the Vikings to victory here, but I just – I don't know. Kansas City's so up and down. I just don't think this is their week. Uh, I don't like the matchup a ton. And obviously without Jamal Charles, they sort of have to find their identity again. And we need to see what, which of these two running backs are going to emerge and be, you know, the replacement, if you will. Because right now it's eh, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, you'll be more of a Teddy Bridgewater fan by the time February gets here. But uh, we'll see what <laughs> when it comes there, to Super Bowl so. season. <laughs> Exactly. Good so, grief. <laughs> you, you watch out. Yeah. They're, they're sneaking up on people. That defense is better yeah, than you I got nothing for that. They're not sneaking up on anybody. Has, <laughs> their offense still has half a season to improve, so we'll see. And next I want to watch games got, the way you do because clearly we're not doing the same thing here. It's Okay. We'll make things interesting. All right. So next up in this game, I'm guessing we're going to disagree on two. Pittsburgh hosting Arizona. Arizona, for the most part, has looked pretty good. Two weeks ago, not so good. But for the most part, they've looked pretty strong. They're on the road against Pittsburgh. It's an early game, or as you like to call them, morning games. Yeah. I, you know, Mike, Michael Vick, Mike Vick, whatever you want to call him, just, you know, he was a little bit better this past week, but... I still think that yeah, you know, Bell is really the you know key to that offense at this point. You know, Michael Vick, they're just asking him to be a game manager for the most part. You know, they let him air it out a little bit, but certainly not as their offense isn't as wide open as it will be when Ben Roethlisberger's there. So I think they find a way to beat Arizona. Arizona, at least in theory, looks like they're the better team, but I think. When it comes down to it, Pittsburgh, you know, take away a lot of confidence from that victory in San Diego Sunday night. Arizona traveling to the East time zone it isn't quite the bugaboo for them that it used to be. But I still think Pittsburgh takes this in a minor upset. I'll say Pittsburgh twenty-eight, Arizona twenty-seven. You're right. We are not agreeing on this one. <laughs> I think Arizona is going to win this thirty-four twenty-seven. Yeah, Michael Vick is a game manager. I think they need to get Le'Veon Bell a little bit more attention than they are right now if they want to have a chance at winning this game. But the Steelers are on a short week. They're still a little banged up. Obviously, they don't have Big Ben there. Um, And they just – I just don't know if they have enough to overcome this Cardinal offense. They're going to just pass all day on this defense. The defense is not the steel curtain that it used to be. Yes, it's better than it looked in weeks one and two – but I just don't think they're going to be able to slow down all of the different weapons that the Cardinals have. Carson Palmer has been very dialed in, and obviously he knows his Pittsburgh team. He's seen them a few times in the past. But they just have a wide receiver, their run game. They have, they can go at them at, at pretty much any way on this offense, and they're going to be successful. And I just don't think that Pittsburgh's going to be able to score enough points to to kind of overmatch what Carson Palmer and the Arizona offense is going to be able to do. Prove me wrong, Michael Vick, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Speaking of the Arizona offense, in your opinion, who's going to be their leading rusher at the end of the season? It might be Chris Johnson. <laughs> I just, I don't know. you got to go with the hot hand right now, I guess. I don't oh, really David think Johnson. he's going to be CJ2K, but... If he stays healthy, he's got a chance. All right, we'll see. I mean, David Johnson's there. Andre Ellington is back. But you're right. Right now, Chris Johnson is is definitely getting the majority of the touches there. But we'll see if that continues or not. Next up, we have another game between another of the also-ran bowl 
you know, Tennessee <laughs> hosting. I thought they were going to beat Buffalo at home last week. Didn't happen. Get another chance against another NFC, excuse me, AFC East team this week in Miami. Miami, yeah, they had the bye last week. New coach, the whole thing, but. I don't think it's going to go well for them. I think Tennessee gets their act together a little bit this week. I'll take them by six. I'll say Tennessee 27, Miami 21. Um, I think this is probably one you saw me disagreeing on. <laughs> I Yes, I am definitely a Miami apologist. I like to think that this you know, has the potential to be an upset. I'm taking Miami 27-24 over Tennessee. I'm thinking a bye week, a new coach, hopefully new life for Miami. I want to see Ryan Tannehill kind of live up to the expectations that we had for him, or at least I definitely did coming into this season. Jarvis Landry, I think Tannehill and Landry could have a really nice run together if they can get on the same page and this offense can actually utilize all its weapons. Uh, So that's what I'm hoping for out of this week. Tennessee is liable to give up points. And granted, Marcus Marriott, I like what he's doing. Tight ends are getting a little healthier. That helps. But overall, I just don't think that Tennessee has enough this week. I'm going to take Miami with a, a new outlook on life, taking it by a field goal. Maybe that's wishful thinking. <laughs> well, at least hopefully the practice squad will go easy on Ryan Tannehill this week that he doesn't get upset. If not, he'll be very ready for the Tennessee defense. <laughs> All right, we'll next up we've got another game, Carolina at Seattle, which features an, features an undefeated team. But if you had said at the beginning of the team, at the beginning of the season one of these two teams would be undefeated going into week six, you probably would have put money on Seattle rather than Carolina. But it's Carolina that's undefeated so far. I think that comes to an abrupt end this week. I think you know, Seattle has their problems, especially on offense. Defense might not be quite as good yet as it's been in the past, but it's still pretty darn good, and I think that's enough to carry them to victory this week. I'll go with Seattle by a field goal, Seattle 24, Carolina 21. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think Seattle's going to win this game. Um, I have them 21-17, so, again, still by a field goal. Um, It's going to be a close game. I'm giving Seattle the edge. They're at home. Marshawn Lynch, if he plays, that'll be great, but... Uh, either way, I think they can edge out Carolina, who just doesn't have quite enough to overcome the Seattle. Even their defense isn't what it used to be. I think they're still going to be able to slow them down enough. Plus, coming to the West Coast, it's just not going to be a good matchup overall for Carolina. So I see their undefeated streak ending this week. So if Thomas Rawls were still out there in the waiver wire in your league, would you pick him up this week, or would you just assume that, you know, Marshawn Lynch is going to be healthy again in the next week or two and that he'll get the majority of the carries and therefore leaves roles for someone else? I might pick him up uh, just because even if Marshawn Lynch gets healthy in the next week or two, I don't know if I'm banking on him staying healthy all season just because he's had a lot of different, you know, hips, legs, back, uh, knees, the whole nine. It just... It seems like it's kind of a chronic thing, and he's maybe maybe there's something bigger happening. I don't know. I just think that there's a chance that this may not be the end of his of his injuries for the year. Plus, his mom doesn't like the play calling. I, don't know, I might get a nasty letter from her. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So, better, better check my mail this week. <laughs> yeah, or or have the mail equivalent, postal equivalent of the food taster go get your mail this week. Yeah, yeah, I should probably look into that. <laughs> All right, yeah, just make them hold your mail this week. That'll probably okay, solve the plan, problem. <laughs> All right, next up we've got Baltimore at San Francisco. Baltimore disappointing loss last week. San Francisco disappointing loss last week. Good news here is that they both won't have disappointing losses this week. I think San Francisco will have another disappointing loss, though. I think Baltimore gets their act together just enough to win this. As you mentioned, Steve Smith might be back. Even if he is, Kamar Aiken is emerging as a reasonable alternative in that offense. You know, Justin Tucker, you know, arguably the best kicker in football right now. 
think it all adds up to a Baltimore victory. I'll say Baltimore by field goal. Baltimore 30, San Francisco 27. I keep going back and forth on this game because I realistically can make a case for either one of these teams to win. I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a field goal game. But uh, honestly, depending on the day, I kind of go back and forth. I want to pick Baltimore, but I'm going San Francisco this week, at least for right now. I'm concerned about the Baltimore run game. Uh, Being on the road, going out west, obviously when they did it before they lost to Oakland, that didn't go great for them. I'm worried that it could be much of the same again this week in San Francisco, and plus not having any healthy running backs that you can count on going to be a bit of an issue. Um, even if Steve Smith plays and, and tries to give that offense a boost, he's clearly not 100%. I just this could be a tough week for Baltimore. Kyle Josek is still healthy. True. So, I mean, they've got that going for them. <laughs> and he scores a touchdown once in a while. Actually, more than once in a while, but... Every so often. Yeah, I, I wouldn't run out and pick him up off the waiver wire, though. I just like that him might because be a little he's a fellow... Just a bit. He's a, he's a Harvard alum, so i got to root for him. But uh, So, anyway, another game up um, that should be pretty interesting. I'm guessing you're going to want to watch this. San Diego, yes. Phillip Rivers... Somewhat resurgent this season. Should have had a win this past Monday night, but the defense couldn't hold on. Green Bay, another one of the undefeated teams, looks good so far. Their defense is actually, I won't say they're carrying them, but their defense has been a surprising strength for them this year. I think this turns out to be a pretty um, easy win for Green Bay. I'll take them by 10 at home. I'll say Green Bay 34 in spite of their banged-up wide receivers in San Diego, 24? I've actually got almost the same score. I've got Green Bay 34, San Diego 27. Um, I think that not only even having their wide receivers banged up, I think they'll still make some noise here. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers threw a pick last week. I mean, so it's going to be a little while he does that again, most likely. But the Chargers are one of the worst defenses against the run, so while Eddie Lacy was... To put it nicely, not living up to standards last week, I think this week he bounces back, and I think he's going to be a much bigger part of their scoring and their overall offense, uh, and that makes him a better option in your fantasy lineup and your daily fantasy lineup. But I think Green Bay is just going to be able to overpower San Diego. Uh, they're not going to they're not going to look like they did last week. All right, we'll see what happens there. Next up, we've got a. Interesting matchup between the quarterback who's been a star forever versus a quarterback who's just becoming a star now, and that's uh, Tom Brady against Andrew Luck. But I think New England just has too much. They're a better rounded team than Indy, and I'll just give the game to them by a field goal. I'll say New England takes this 31, Indy 28, and that's only because I have a a lot of faith in Andrew Luck to get the offense going, even against New England's defense. But yeah, it should be an interesting game. It's definitely, you know, you can tell there's Ooh, a reason. Bold move Sunday night there, game, sir. What, interesting. New England over Indy? No, I mean, just to think Andrew Andrew Luck's going to be as big as he is in this. But I don't know. I, I, oh. what, I would like to see him come back and and – you know, look better, look healthier, maybe not throw so many interceptions. But I've got New England 37, Indy 24. Just this whole revenge deflate gate. Uh, honestly, it seems like kind of a non-factor. Like the whole deflate gate thing is just so played out. Like it's just annoying. I would like this week to be over so we can stop talking about it again. Um, the newest big story now is that Bill Belichick doesn't do his own grocery shopping. I'm not really sure who thought he really was, but. New England's going to take this pretty handily, and at this point it's going to become, all right, so how long are the starters going to still be effective? Is it going to be more of a run-based game at the second half? And kind of picking and choosing your poison that way for uh, fantasy points. Yeah, I haven't seen Bill Belichick at the grocery store lately, but that might just have something to Granted, do with the I haven't been minute. looking either, so. <laughs> yeah. The fact that we live in different states from him might have something to do with it, but maybe nah. not. <laughs> he travels a lot. So. 
Yeah. You would think sooner or later <laughs> we'd run into him in the grocery store. but right? So finally that leaves us with the Monday night game. My beloved Giants are going down the turnpike to take on the, the evil, the Philadelphia Evils. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. I just, <laughs> much as I want to pick the Giants in this game, I just can't, I think. Philadelphia, the the whole narrative about Chip Kelly being out of control and losing control of the team and the team tuning him out, I think that's you know just way overblown. Uh, even if someone like Bill Billick says so, I, I don't believe it. I think Philadelphia is going to win this, unfortunately, rather easily. I think the Giants' lack of healthy wide receivers is really going to catch up to them in this game. I mean, it might be Jeremy Davis, who's their only healthy wide receiver this week, although Dwayne Harris has had a good couple-week run there. But uh, I think it all adds up to a relatively easy win for Philadelphia. I'll actually go out on the limb and take them by two touchdowns. I'll say Philadelphia 31, Giants 17. Ooh, wow. So are we trying to, like, spark a Giants win by not picking them? Is that the theory here? (laughs) Um, No, not so much. It's more that, you know, they've been – I think they've been doing it with smoke and mirrors for the most part. You know, yes, they're three and two, and yes, they could easily be five and zero, oh, but they could also pretty easily be one and four. So, I think they're about where they ought to be, and it's only a testament to how weak the rest of the NFC East has been so far that they're actually in first place. I mean, if you put them up against any of the five and zero oh or four and zero oh teams, I, I think they come out second best. Back to the old NFC least. Uh, <laughs> I do I do think the Eagles are probably going to win this game as well. I think they do it by a more conservative seven points. Um, I just, yes, a lot of what the Giants have done is through smoke and mirrors. Granted, Philadelphia is not even close to having their act together. Uh, I, I think DeMarco Murray is going to be a little bit more of the factor. I mean, maybe he'll hit 100 yards this week. Who knows? I just think that it's more going to be the Sam Bradford, Jordan Matthews show, the Giants are atrocious against tight ends, so it's possible that Zach Ertz may come back from the dead this week. If you're looking for some uh, cheaper tight end options or somebody that may be on your waiver wire if people got crazy and dropped him, uh, it might not be a bad week to pick him up. But overall, I think, I mean, this is gonna they're going to put points up. Neither of these defenses are going to slow down these offenses tremendously, so at least it will be exciting in that regard. We aren't going to get like a 9-7 game. Uh, but I think that Philadelphia is going to keep control of this for the most part. All right, there you have it. I think we only disagreed on three or four games this week, so it's not quite the perfect record we had last week of uh, matching up, but still more matches than uh, not, so I guess we're getting soft in our relative old ages then. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, somehow, somehow on. we'll find something to disagree on, though I'm sure. Oh, daily fantasy is always a good place to look for disagreements. So why don't we go Wait. there? <laughs> so first up, Fanduel. Which which quarterbacks have uh, caught your eye this week? Well, uh, I'm going to take a couple more risks this week. Obviously, the top of my list, as it is every week, is Carson Palmer. Uh, Andy Carson Palmer is he's going to set you back eight grand, but it's worth it. Andy Dalton as well at seventy six hundred, still not really priced where he should be. Uh, he's he's more valuable than that. He's putting up more points, so I'll take that. Uh, Sam Bradford at seventy seven hundred is going to have a big week. Tom Brady, if you're going to pay for it, that's the guy to go for. At nine grand, he's costly. You have to make some cuts in your lineup elsewhere, but point wise, you know they're going to be there. Ryan Tannehill at 7,700. Maybe even Colin Kaepernick this week at 7,300. Kind of taking a flyer on that one. Uh, but those are, are my guys there, I think. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of them, you know, just, you know, Peyton Manning strikes me as being overpriced at 8,100. Yeah. You know, if you're putting him up in Andrew Luck. You know, territory, you know, Cam Newton, Carson Palmer, Russell Wilson, I think so far, you know, he's definitely not, you know, playing up to the same level as the other ones. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I could argue, you know, and not just argue, but so far, 
you know, Eli is averaging six points more per game this season than Peyton is, and yet Peyton still costs uh, $300 more than Eli does. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so, weird. The pricing doesn't always with, catch up with everybody else. Yeah, I agree with you on Bradford, Blake Bortles, if he's healthy. Yeah, Alex Smith, maybe just without a running game, he has to throw a bit more. That could be interesting. You know, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick at 6,900 looks like a good play to me. And Matthew Stafford, how the mighty have fallen at 6,900, looks like a decent play. Brian Hoyer at 6,700, maybe even Teddy Bridgewater at 6,600. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pick everybody. Don't worry. But um, yeah, there's there's some <laughs> good options out there sure? if you want to spend a lot of money. This week, not not many, but a few at least. But let's see how that goes. I, Aaron Rodgers, even at ninety three hundred, yes, the most expensive quarterback on the board, and three hundred dollars more than Brady. But I actually like his matchup a little bit better, you know, just in terms of the, the relative strength of the defenses in, in San Diego and Indy. So we'll see what happens there. Um, how about uh, it's. How about FanDuel running backs? What what caught your eye there? Uh, as we talked about earlier, Charkandrick West. I'm going to get this by the end of the show. I got it right the first time. Now I can't do it anymore. Uh, he's at 6,200. Uh, it's kind of a guy you're going to take a flyer on. It's going to be feast or famine with him, but, hey, isn't that the fun of it? Uh, Chris Ivory at 7,300. Deion Lewis, I'm taking at 7,200. Uh, some people are making the case for LeGarrette Blunt. I'm taking him over Blunt, even though he's getting uh, fewer touches, but he's getting more meaningful ones. You see him more in the red zone at the goal line, uh, more of these, these scoring pot plays. I mean, they're priced similarly. I'm going Deion Lewis. I think there's going to be garbage time. They're going to run the ball late in that game. Uh, Matt Forte at $8,400. Yes, he's costly, but quite frankly, he's their only hope of scoring points. Chris Johnson at 7200 uh, are the guys I'm looking a lot at, and every week T.J. Yeldon. I'm always going T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, at 6,800, he's definitely a good price. You know, Eddie Lacy, as you mentioned before, good matchup this mm-hmm. week. He's 7,300. That's tempting. Demarco Murray at 7,600. Not so sure I would do that. So um, scary. Right. So much. Yeah, scary. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather spend the extra 800 bucks and go with Matt Forte. 8400. I don't think I would be ponying, ponying up for Arian Foster at 8500. You know, if you're going to spend yet. a lot, I think he, his price hasn't come down to where he is just yet. So Levian Bell 9000, Adrian Peterson 8900. You know, if you're really going to go out and spend a lot of money, might as well go for the best. But you know, I would probably tend to do what you're suggesting and stick with either Yeldon, assuming his groin is healthy, or maybe even somebody like Giovanni Bernard if you need a a, mm-hmm. um, a, a less expensive option. So mm-hmm. how about uh, FanDuel wide receivers? Who who has your ride there? Uh, I like Jarvis Landry a lot. Obviously, I'm a little higher on the Dolphins than most people are. He's at 7,300. A.J. Green at 8,100. Granted, he is going to cost you a lot, but he's still kind of a bargain compared to what the other top wide receivers are priced at and what you're going to get production-wise out of him. Julian Edelman, who's been so solid at 7,900, there's going to be points for him and everybody else on that offense this week. DeAndre Hopkins, 8,500. Again, like I said, A.J. Green's a value. DeAndre Hopkins, you just know, is going to score points. This Jacksonville defense is going to give them up, uh, and he pretty much every has has just run through everybody who's been matched up against him the last few weeks. Maybe take a flyer on Cecil Shorts <clears throat> at 5000 if you're looking for uh, a little bit more of a risk, but uh, you got to save some money somewhere. And Jordan Matthews at $6,600. Uh, we talked about that Eagles game earlier. So those are the guys I'm looking at. Yeah, the Jordan Matthews, I, I definitely agree on that one. Uh, Alan Robertson, yeah. excuse me, Robinson at 6700 That looks good to me. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen having a pretty good season so far, like Edelman. So, yeah, I'm not so sure I would really go with one of the the top, you know, most expensive guys in this week unless I happen to save some money at quarterback or running back or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, 
Calvin Johnson at 8,200. That seems a little bit rich for me, given you know, the quarterback struggles they've been having, although I think they will get it together this week. Um, yeah, just, I don't know, wide receiver, there's just so many options out there. It's it's kind of hard to just settle on one and run with it, you know, but that's, that's what we've got to do. So. Yeah, they, right. they do want us to do that, believe it or not. <laughs> Uh, just say, oh, I'll, I'll take the field. See how far <laughs> that gets you. So yeah, how fun, about, right? Yeah. How about um, tight end Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, $2,000 more than everybody else, but he's also scoring a lot more than everybody else. And yeah, Antonio Gates at 5500 He had a monster week coming back, and I don't think anybody expects him to do that against Green Bay, but do you think that $5,500 is still a, a relatively good value, or is he overpriced this week? Uh, I I think maybe it's a hair overpriced, but it's close enough that I can live with it. Um, I just, tight end, I mean, Zach Ertz, I have not been a fan of what's happening with the Eagles tight ends of late this season. Zach Ertz, if he's going to have a breakout game, I think this is going to be it. Uh, Julius Thomas at 5200 is going to be great. Antonio Gates, uh, we like I mentioned, uh, it's just it, it's just going to get better. I hope so. We'll see what happens there. Tyler Eifert at six grand. I mean, he's just pretty steady. Larry Donnell at 5300, and that's strictly because, granted, the Eagles are better than the Giants at stopping tight ends, but it's still there's still points that are going to be had, and Eli Manning's got to connect with somebody, especially with Odell Beckham Jr. maybe being a little slower than usual. Uh, Larry Donnell might be a good play. Yeah, that's, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And just mm-hmm. the other guy that caught my eye is Gary Barnage, who's been having quite the season so far for Cleveland. Yes, he's going up against Denver's defense, but you know he's only scoring about a point a game less than Tyler Eifert so far this year, although Eifert you know, had that one goose egg of a game. But yeah. Barnage been pretty steady this year and he's only three um, $300 less at 5700 so that he looks like a good play to me too. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know if I love the matchup for him this week. I think that maybe the last two weeks are, are better than you're going to get out of him this week, but it's not, I mean, there are much worse options for sure. Yeah. So kicker, defense, just pick one. I don't know that we need to spend time talking about that unless you have somebody you feel really strongly about and want to mention? Yeah, not really. <laughs> uh, I mean, kicker-wise, I think Blair Walsh will have a good game, 4,600, Matt Prater at 4,500, Steven Goskowski is kind of a no-brainer. He's the most expensive kicker at 5,100. Cairo Santos might be nice. I don't think he's going to score you 27 points, but at 4,800, he's not a bad value. Um, defense, Detroit, the Jets, Denver, Carolina, it's Everyone's pretty well bunched together. Uh, it's can't, it's it's hard to pick wrong. There are ones you can pick better, but uh, the defense. Eh. Yeah, I don't know that I'd be. Um, yeah, there's a few teams that I might stay away from this week. I'm not so sold on the Giants' defense for one, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, yeah. Or we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, they'll prove me wrong. So how about um, over to DraftKings then? What what uh, quarterbacks you know, look good to you price wise? Uh, price wise, I like a lot of the same quarterbacks. One that sticks out for me more on DraftKings than FanDuel is Blake Bortles. He's only priced at fifty two hundred. Uh, the matchup I think really works in his favor. Most of their even less than even, Teddy Bridgewater. I know, and I think he's going to score significantly more points than old Teddy Bridgewater will. Um, So I like Blake Bortles, especially uh, above some of the other names this week value-wise on DraftKings. What about you? Well, the one thing that just strikes me, I mean, I really like Marcus Mariota a lot, but there's no way he Mm -hmm. should be more expensive than Andy Dalton, you think? Nope. (laughs) That's And it's one of those weird things where, like, his value jumped up after week one and then just never really got back down to earth when he did. Yeah. And uh, Eli Manning actually cost more than Peyton this week, which is 
pretty unusual. I'm guessing that hasn't happened in quite a while, but you know, Carson Palmer. There a full moon coming? <laughs> Peyton. Yeah, it must be. The the one thing I don't like so much about DraftKings, and you could argue that it shows whether you're a real fan or not, but they don't publish the injury status as, as clearly, at least mm-hmm. not in their CSV file as DraftKings as FanDuel does. So you know, I give them a demerit for that, but their games are still fun. So especially yeah. with no kicker and getting that extra wide receiver, or running like back, or tight end to throw in a flex position, I think makes it a little more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, yeah, were, who saw Cairo Santos coming? I mean, really? <laughs> Not I said the pig. So, <laughs> all right. How about um, running backs? Who who catches your eye there for for the DraftKings game? Again, uh, Chartandrick West got it on the first try. He's he's going to be good value everywhere this week until next week. Uh, Deion Lewis at 5,800 is also a good value for me. Again, I like him better than Blunt. I'm Plenty of people in the world would disagree with me. Um, but those are two for me that stick out beyond the guys I already liked on FanDuel. All right. I mean, the one thing I just don't understand so well is how is um, – Jeremy Hill over $1,000 more than um, Giovanni Bernard at this point. That that makes no sense to me. Not so much, yeah. yeah. I feel like you just wander around your house sometimes just muttering about the injustice of the pricing. <laughs> well, not so much muttering about it, but just trying to figure out whether I can take advantage of it or not. But I, yeah. I don't know that one site or the other has better pricing but, you know, mm-hmm. I guess depending on how you see that week's slate of games, you're always going to find some opportunities for arbitrage. You know, Chris Ivory at 5,100, that looks good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, even Eddie Lacy at 6,300, as you alluded to before, this should be a big game for him. You know, I, yeah. And another thing, I mean, here's, here's DraftKings, and I'm guessing they probably – do the prices for the most part Monday or Tuesday morning, but you know they've still got Jamal Charles who's the second most expensive back in their game this week and got uh, to adapt even though he's out for the year. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah. I guess they just figure it's kind of Darwinian that if you're still picking Jamal Charles that you know, you deserve to get beaten but in a in a drop thing. But I, I I think that kind of discourages the casual fan, although you can argue that if you didn't know that Jamal Charles was injured last weekend, that you're probably not even a casual fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. All right. Thomas Rawls, 4,800. That's interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Um, mm-hmm. Wide receiver, who, who catches your eye there? Uh, this feels weird to say, but Calvin Johnson. Uh <laughs> I know it's been a rough year for him. Last week looked terrible for the for the Lions, but it's 7,300 for the upside that's there and the matchup. I think this is the week he gets in the end zone, so I I might be thinking about taking a flyer on him there. Oh, I'll nominate Jeremy Macklin. He's had a couple of big weeks, but at $6,500, he's significantly less expensive than some of the other guys you know, who are, mm-hmm. you know, number one option for their team. And, you know, I think Alex Smith, just out of necessity, will probably throw five more times this week at least than he usually does. So I think Macklin and uh, Travis Kelsey will probably be the biggest beneficiaries there. I think so. I hope so, at least. My lineups hope so. Uh, What about tight ends for you? Yeah, (laughs) we're we're getting a little bit down to the wire here. So tight end-wise, Gary Barnage, $4,400. I'll, I'll take him as my top pick this week. Unless you Again, want to go I don't love the matchup. I'm a little down on Barnage this week, but, yeah. Kyle Rudolph's not a bad play. Uh, I like Jordan Cameron, believe it or not, out of Miami. 3000 Great place to save some money. This is what Charles Clay used to do for your lineup before everyone else discovered him. Uh, could be interesting this week. 
Uh, obviously, their new head coach used to coach the tight end, so he's a little biased towards them. That's what I'm banking on. Um, but overall, that's my thoughts on tight ends. <laughs> All right. Any defenses that jump out at you? Uh, no, not not really too different other than FanDuel price-wise for me. What about you? I I like the Eagles at 2,900, like the Jets at 3,100. Those are probably my uh, yeah. the top two that caught my eye so far. All right, fair enough. Uh, that that does bring us right up to the end of the show here. We'll be back with you guys next week from 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, as we are every week. We'll bring you all the news and notes and analysis for all of the Week 7 games, matchups, all your good fantasy knowledge. Uh, and your daily fantasy lineups. Any questions you have for us, find us all week long on Twitter at the number 4THN Inches Show, at the number 4THN Inches Show at gmail.com. You can find us at the Fantasy Football Fan Page, uh, Fantasy Football Sherpa Fan Page on Facebook at fantasyfootballsherpa.com, and our, on our personal Twitter accounts as well at fantasy underscore Sherpa and JKIM16. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and good luck this week, unless you're playing me. <laughs> Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.